Hey guys, thanks for tuning in. Welcome to another Addicted Podcast. And uh, we are sitting here on a very solemn, solemn anniversary recording this for you guys on the day that WFW shut down fishing. Can you believe that, guys? It's been a year. It's been a year. Sad day. Sad day. That yeah, was. <clears throat> Can you? I, I still remember when I clicked on the old book of faces and these guys didn't announce it to anybody else. And then they just blasted it out in big red letters. All recreational fishing closed. Can you imagine that? It's crazy. What were you doing on that day? Do you remember that day, Josh? No, I don't remember that day. We you... were just talking about this, though, and I forgot why I didn't spring a fish much last year. <laughs> well, nobody did. There we go. That's why. I couldn't remember. Like, man, we were out the other day, and I was like, it feels like I haven't done this in two years. Yeah. Where were you, Ryan? You got Ryan McCon in studio, Riverside Guide Service with us today. I was at a certain creek catching steelhead. Really? Still. And the game warden was there telling us we had to leave, and they put up barricades coming into the place, and they weren't letting anybody launch. It was pretty weird. Yeah. And, of course, fishing was epic because it was the last day we could fish. Yeah, of course. And then I think <laughs> I think the returns of all those hatchery steelhead just piled in, and you guys, well, we all, truth be told, just sat and watched. I mean, some who would have thought? Some would've... people didn't. Some people didn't. <laughs> well, actually, the other forty-nine states didn't. So let's yeah. we could talk about that here in just a minute. But where would you? Where did you think with this whole thing was going a year ago today? I mean, I mean fishing in the north. I mean, fishing yeah. in the state of Washington, state of Oregon. I mean, the whole nine yards. It. What's that? Uh, the state of Oregon allowed people to fish. Yeah, for a while until they kicked only out for the a couple of days. I went there for two days the, and yeah. they kicked non-residents out. Yeah, yeah, but the residents still got to fish. Yeah. Right, which is crazy. Well, I mean, let's be honest. The, the residents on all the other forty nine states. Got yeah, that's true. That well, I mean, let's true. I mean, let's think about the chain of events. There closes down, everything shuts down for us, and then they extend the closure. And we sat on the sidelines for six weeks because the WDFW took up managing people instead of managing fish. What do you think about that? You can't just shake your head in a podcast, bud. You got to like, talk about it. <laughs> I was just thinking, like, I had faith that our state would come around after they saw what other states did and maybe open it back up and give us something, and then I lost all faith. <laughs> yeah, then they extended it while the New York state planted extra trout and yeah. wanted promoted people to go outside. Other states are like, oh, you don't need a license. You guys get out and do some outdoor activity. Yeah, yeah, who'd have thought? <laughs> To be honest, 2020 was like the longest year of my life, so it's kind of hard to remember, you know, yeah, everything that took place during that time. I mean, there was protests. I remember the protests. Yep. Mm, there was going to be a big one, real big yeah. one. Fortunately, we didn't have to go that far. Boats pulling up on the lawn <laughs> in Olympia. <laughs> yeah, there was that. Part of me, uh, you know, and, and who would have thought, like, you know, a year later that fishing – would have actually been kind of like the the saving grace of 2020, yeah, right. being the fact that it was outdoor activity. I mean, just within our businesses, uh, you know, I'm sure Ryan saw the same thing. You know, lots of people, lots of new anglers, 45,000 new anglers in the state of Washington, and that's with, or new license sales in the state of Washington, that's with, la, you know, fishing being absolutely shut down, like you couldn't cast a rod. Mind you, you could go walk your dog, mm-hmm. launch your boat, where you could launch. Go kayaking. Go kayaking. <laughs> you could take your rods in your boat out on the water, but if you casted that fishing rod, COVID, you're dead. 
You're a criminal. <laughs> you're a criminal. criminal. Exactly. You're a criminal. <laughs> you know, and so I, I, <laughs> I just wanted to bring this up to you guys because it's just something to go, something, something to show that, you know, you know, managers and the powers that be, they don't always get it right. I don't think, because like I said, the, the saving grace of 2020 was fishing. It was outdoor activities. Oh, yeah. You know. There's people that were But dying let's look at the positive outside. light. I mean, I still remember that that the day it opened it back up, man, it was like we I couldn't guide, but we could fish. Right? Why? I, I <laughs> drug my guide. wife, and two kids out of bed because I thought it'd be a rush at the ramp. I mean, I, I drug my wife and kids out of bed at two a.m. to get down <laughs> to the ramp. Nobody was there. <laughs> I was like, "Well, we're gonna sit by the heater and see if there's some spring chinook in this flooded river." And that was the extent of our Columbia River spring chinook fishery. I think we caught. I didn't get anything on that that first day, but I think I caught like one wild out of the Columbia last year in May. I mean, jeez, I yeah. never wet a line in the Columbia last year. I mean, in the spring, right? At all? That's yeah, a lie. This, in the spring, I didn't even go. <laughs> That's a lie. Shut up. <laughs> Fortunately, fall. But was... I can tell you, the day they opened it, I was out there with my wife, and I was at a place where you could fish two rods, and it's just barely light. I could barely see my rod tips, and all of a sudden, I heard the drag go off on one of the back rods right next to the kicker. And I heard, zit, zit, zit. And I picked it up, head shake, head shake. It took off, and all of a sudden it spit the hook. I was like, oh, no. And all of a sudden I heard my other back rod, zit, 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 zit. It was going. Told my wife, run over, grab that one. I said, I already had my chance. You might as well fight that one. Comes in 17-pound hatchery springer. Oh, that's a way to start off the new, yeah. the new, uh, the new year, new season. What about you, Josh? I don't even remember the day it opened back up. Do you remember going fishing? You. Yeah. Or did you go shed hunting? I don't really remember it opening back up, but I do remember going to a specific area and going to start trolling on some springers, catching a couple. Where you could use well, I, you can't you couldn't use two rods last year, but no, you couldn't. You, sometimes you couldn't can. use two rods there last year, but we did manage. I think two fish the first day we went out, and then we kind of missed the main part of that bite that was really going off, but. We did get on some fish. So you get, we got to go do some springer fishing at any rate last year. I mean, at least there was. Yeah, but it just wasn't the same. No. It was so sad, too, because I, I remember when the thing, when, when COVID was coming down on the closure date, and we were, I was like, I canceled a lot of my trips, probably four to five days, because the concern was out there, and I got it. And I, and I, you know, and then while people were kind of rushing out, trying to get their trips in and, and whatnot, I, I sat back and. I just told Lex, I go, you know, told my wife, I was like, you know what, they close this and I can't guide. I'm like, at least, you know what, at the very least, I'll be taking the kids fishing. You know, we'll be doing stuff outside. We'll be doing at that. And then, and then unfortunately, uh, the closure kind of blindsided everybody because yeah. uh, for some reason they thought, the state managers thought that fishermen, for some reason, go to gas stations and spread COVID, but yet everybody must live five minutes from Home Depot and that they weren't going to spread any COVID or grocery stores, but all of a sudden the whole weight of COVID was put upon fishermen and not kayakers and hikers and bicyclists and waterfall enthusiasts, birders, uh, anybody who wanted to go play <laughs> frisbee golf. Uh, I mean, I could just go on and on for days, but we were I definitely guess singled as a out group, there. as fishermen, as a group, I guess I'm kind of disappointed. Like we should have taken that stand and fished. Yeah, hard I, to say though because I didn't do it. Right, I didn't take we the stand and fish, but. No. Collectively, as a group, I think if we would have just went against it, what's really going to happen? Well, I think the problem is the fear of the COVID and everything that oh, yeah, people, people were back definitely from scared getting and getting together and doing that. You know yeah. what I mean? 
I do give them a little, I do give the state just a shred of the benefit of the doubt because yeah. let's be honest, like back, like last March and where we are this March. Oh yeah. COVID. We was, didn't know, you know, yeah. but at the same time, like, like I said, the actions were obviously 100% wrong. Unfortunately, they quickly went back on them and we did get uh, some, enjoy some seasons and, you know, it's just kind of crazy being out there trolling. Like, you know, we've been like the last four or five days on the Columbia, and that's what we're going to talk about this year because we don't want to relish too much in the past, but we thought it would be just a good reminder for you guys out there that, uh, yeah, today was the day we're filming this, March 25th, or recording this, excuse me, was the day. Last year, you know, uh, when they shut everything down as a guide, you just it was kind of an uneasy feeling not knowing if you're going to be able to work at all during the year. And when they let us open back up and let us guide again, it was just wide open. I mean, unbelievably nonstop. Everybody wanted to get out. Everybody wanted to fish. Well, they weren't going to Blazer games. They, like I everybody said, wanted out of their house. Who would have thought that our state managers thought what they thought at the start of this ended up being completely 100% polar oh, yeah. opposite, and then actually the fishing activity was it. Like I said, so going back to my point earlier, it makes you get, does make you scratch your head a little bit on what some managers' decisions are, the ones, the, the decisions they make. But yeah. we're here to talk about this year. Brighter note, yeah. On a brighter note, this we're Springer fishing this year, right. and we're Springer fishing to Astoria. That's crazy. And we've got some incredible incredible weather coming this weekend and i know by the time you guys are listening to this you probably we've already had this weekend and i already caught 26 springers in three days so don't forget to mention the water is absolutely beautiful it's not yeah. browning up in the trees like some other seasons no. we've seen yeah. that's actually what i wanted to touch on a little bit because the way i'm looking at this year and by the time you guys are listening to this podcast like i don't see anything scary coming i'm not no. seeing big waters coming from the east side no pineapple expresses i mean we're gonna get some nice warm weather this week but Where's the runoff? I mean, there's like none. I mean, you the river is clean, right. perfect. I could see my prop the other day, and I was like, "This should be money right now." I can't remember a time when the tide actually this high up in the river pushed backwards in the spring. Yeah, and it actually was like I was actually trolling a little bit faster upstream during the incoming tide, which generally up here it kind of slacks out. I mean, it's definitely going to be a troller show this year. Yeah, which makes it fun. Mostly. I do like anchoring though. On a good, oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it is fun. You get high but water pushing fish. I up would prefer the side. no comment. <laughs> <laughs> I would prefer to troll one hundred percent, and that's how it felt last. I was out last weekend. That's how it felt like this is going to be a troll year. The water's way better than it ever is. You know, people keep bugging me. They're like, you know, the water's low and clear, Ryan. You got your skateboards. I said, well, oh yeah, they're like you know. <clears throat> so so let's talk about that a little bit because so <laughs> I know a good friend of mine that was fishing not in the Columbia, one of the other spots, and said that he watched. The day was it. Hmm. How do we put this without calling it out? But I mean, anybody listening to this damn podcast, they know exactly what we're talking about because if it's not the Columbia, it's pretty much only one other area. Yeah, it's the but, only spot pictures <laughs> are getting posted. That too. So I don't really feel bad about it now. But uh, he was saying that the only two fish that he caught, saw caught this morning up in that area were on 360s. Oh. So uh, you talk about low, clear, Columbia. Uh, man, it definitely could be. And the slack tides on the, yeah. on the Columbia themselves, just the fact that they are, like Soft I said. Soft water and visibility. Oh, I don't you know got, what to tell you. You, you got to both. So, <laughs> and you know, it's funny too. A guy, uh, one of my guys in the boat today, um, we hit a couple fish right on the low slack, lost a real nice one, and uh, – you know, he even asked, like, when do you throw out skateboards? And I'm like, well, 
well, probably could do it right about now. <laughs> so we've seen we've been seeing some good fish the last couple of days, and like I said, by the time you guys are in this podcast, you know, I will say that the the black face fish that are going above Bonneville would have been pretty absent, like non-existent. Like even yeah, the pictures from what being, I've been seeing, the pictures have all been from elsewhere. Yeah, they're all lower river. Yeah, they're all lower river below Bonneville. Yeah, turning Springer. So. That's at least a good sign. So, hope, like I said, I mean, I think you guys I think we're going to still be in for a decent run. I'm definitely hearing some things down in the lower river and stuff I think like with that. that. Warm weather coming this weekend, you see water temps come up, and you know, a lot of those fish going over Bonneville, they, they definitely migrate together. Once you see them show up, they show up in big numbers and they go. Yeah, it seems like it's a that fishery, the way it's even modeled and, and the way the fishing goes is it, it, it's singles and then it's tens. And then it's thousands. And yeah, then that's like the catch. It goes 30, 300, yeah. 700. 3,000. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so, and the, and the catch reflects that in the lower river, which is why it seems like, you know, we, we fish for a month with nothing. And then we fish for five days where we just smash on. Yeah. Them. That quota gets eaten up fast. Yeah. One day in April could equal all 30 days in March, theoretically. And I'm sure at some point in time, it has been damn close to that. I think we got 2,800 fish on the table this year. 2,800 Upriver fish. Upriver. Yeah. yeah. Fortunately, you know, Cameron, I always say they should uh, let those early ones swim by open April 1st and manage your quota fishery. That's what I would love to do. Why would they you do that? Will. Why would you do that? Why not? Because I'm going to throw, like, statistics in your face right now. Why would you both do that? Because you – because what, what did I just say? You're going to give – if you gave up all your March fishing – yeah, you're only going to get a couple days of fish. <laughs> Maybe I mean, at you're best. You're going to get a couple days. Of that was the old it. W O D F and W Buckmaster freaking love he, when he when he when he pleaded the commercials case against the sport case. That was his favorite argument until I called him out on a live feed O D F and W is doing and they shut it down because he would always say, "Well, you guys are just greedy sportsmen." He's like, "You know, if you give the whole commercial quota to the sportsmen, you only get like two days, maybe a day and a half to fish in April." And he's right. You do. Yeah. But if you spread it out, and like I said, don't get me wrong, I love It's the, more opportunity, though, I mean, for the angler. Yeah, right. If you spread it out. And the reason I say that is because these fish runs have gotten later and later, and we used to have a lot more early fish going over Bonneville. Mm-hmm. And believe it or not, a lot of these early March fish are great biters. They're singled out. They're not in big numbers. So when you're cutting at them every year, over the last 15 years, you've noticed these runs have gotten later and later and later. So you say 15 years. So so I'm going to go back to your original question. So I don't think you would want to sacrifice 30 days in March for two days in April. Be- but I will say you talk about these runs getting later and later and later, but are they? And how do you know that they are? Because predation is through the roof now. And when is predation at its, like, fullest? Like, right now? Because yeah, right as now. these... As they're those, already as here. They're already here. They're sitting here yeah. waiting for smelt. And... I don't think we start to see productive fishing until the main ball of fish come here because any of those singles that are trickling in, they're getting picked off. They're dying. And you can't, like, you can't have an increase. Like you said, you're like, oh, the run's getting later and later and later. And it's like, well, I just don't think we see the run until we actually see, like, the run, until we see the ball of fish now. So the steelhead I've seen lately, 98% have had bite marks, seal bite marks, yeah. chew marks. So I'm guessing... You know, not with any real info, but they have to be eaten up like 50% of the steelhead run I've been fishing on because, you know, if you think about it, this year's steelhead run, like, it was good, at least in our area, but it wasn't, like, 
monumental. It wasn't, it wasn't like it was last year, let's be honest. And it was very inconsistent, too, and, and not inconsistent with weather, you know, because we didn't really have a lot of high water events that were, you know, driving the fish up later on in the season. But later on in the season, you'd go one day and you might get seven or eight fish and think you're riding high on the boning and see nobody out there fishing. The next day you'd go and get one, and a lot of those fish were torn up. A lot of those fish had marks on it, and maybe the – Maybe those pinnipeds were getting at them a little little heavier than we thought because they didn't have the high. I, I mean, let's be honest. Like, if, if you're a pro, I would have to imagine a sea lion probably hunts better in a clear Columbia. I mean, I don't know oh, pinniped yeah, science. Sure. I'm just taking a guess. Yeah. So I would have to think that this probably isn't spelling out a good situation for the salmon when it comes to predation. No, no you're probably right. I, uh, I really think, you know, you don't need to go out there and – Shoot a bunch of sea lions. They're a very smart, intelligent animals. Just shoot a couple. And yeah, you, you <laughs> just a couple. And they figure you it out. Every, you send the message and if they get it real fast. Just if, if somebody shot shoots a, your if buddy, everybody shot you're a couple. Run. <laughs> oh, I mean, I just I see these videos in in Longview at the mouth of the Cowlitz and stuff, and you know, eight hundred at a mouth of a river. Yeah, it's disgusting. Like they wonder where the salmon went. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it'd be like if I'm standing here and you guys both get shot. I'm not going to stand around and wait yeah, to see what it's happens. It's time to go. Huh? I'm out. <laughs> you're, like, I'm out. you're not going to see if we're okay? No. Jeez. Josh is bailing. Okay. What no. do you mean? <laughs> Even if a bullet flies by, you're out, right? Yeah, you're I'm done. gone. I'm yeah. gone, man. Well, the, I mean, I've always said the sea lions are smarter than the managers. I mean, there's there's no doubt about it because every year that population keeps growing, and yep. then they remove a few from the Oregon City Falls and record, yeah, look, rec- record steelhead show look what up. That did all they everybody's did shocked? Removed a couple, and they got eighty percent of their winter steelhead fish to come back over the falls. It, was, it made the paper, and ODF and W had to do an announcement on that. I think they're kind of you know obviously hamstrung. So a what you're bit saying is, I just have to go shoot like. No, or. I'm not saying anything, <laughs> Mr. Joshua Handy, everybody. Uh, <laughs> Driver's license number. <laughs> Driver's license number. You can find him. And uh, No, I'm not saying anybody go out and shoot sea lions, but when you have the opportunity to advocate for the shooting of sea lions, or my favorite is whenever you see a news article posted and you look on the website and you see all these people jumping on for the, you know, oh, how could you shoot a sea lion? Yeah. Like, you know, on some of these local papers, like some of the comment threads. Be sure to get on there and say, look, <laughs> do you like salmon? And do you like wild salmon? Yeah, ask them that question. That's what our favorite wild wild fish conserve. Do you like, do you love wild salmon? Well, yeah, everybody loves wild everybody salmon. Does. Everybody loves wild salmon. Native to the Pacific Northwest. Why yeah. would we want to lose I them? I think we need to transplant orcas into the Columbia. Yeah. Screw transplanting orcas. Why don't you put some great whites up here, bud? <laughs> I don't know. I kind of like the orca program you see in the Puget Sound. They don't, eat, like, they don't eat humans? <laughs> That's uh, a good start. As soon as the orcas are starving, they're going to eight eight times the production of Chinook smolt. Yeah, they only eat go. Chinook. Yeah, let's talk about that a little bit talking. because, like, you know, you came in here and Mr. Ryan McCon here and... You do a lot of fishing where that just got some of those fisheries got waxed, but not because I mean they're not supposed to have a huge run, but runs that are still bigger than some of the runs you fished on in the past. But it sounds like they're cutting some of those runs to actually increase some of that that uh, production for orcas. Like oh yeah, doubling the production, absolutely doubling and tripling the production of chinook smolt. So those rivers that have been suffering for years are now gonna. I feel like they're gonna come back tenfolds because of that. It's going to be the real litmus test so in five never, years. I always say they won't do it for the sportsman, but if one orca looks sick and starving, then, you know, eight million new smolt. Dump them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> dump them. <laughs> Collect them, dump them. Yeah, no. So, and, you know, I, I've talked to fishery managers and hatchery managers before, and it's 
it's not always about pure numbers. It's also about the health of the smolt. So you can you can oh, yeah. produce eight million smolt, but if they're sick, you still get no result. Yeah. Yeah. So um, it's kind of a fine balance, I think. I'm not I'm not saying numbers are everything, but a balance between health and numbers is is great for all. Well, that's what I said. Like you know, five years from now, let's remember this conversation mm-hmm. and see how many fish. Sh- come I back. couldn't remember last year, so you know I won't be in on that. <laughs> <laughs> Well, remember, five years from now, if those Washington above Bonneville tributaries come back with shining numbers in three years, I guess it'd be three years after that for Jack. So we'll see. We'll know. But so it's a small price well, to that, pay now. Well, the, well, a lot of them are Puget Sound rivers that they haven't had fall Chinook fisheries in forever. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think you're going to see things turn around for that. Um well, I asked the question, you said, you know, okay, you don't, we don't make them from orcas, and this goes back to my, my tirade kind of at the start about talking about the closing and bad management decisions, and I got into an argument with a, with a local regional director one time, and, you know, he was touting off that, you know, because the orcas, we put in 26 more million, you know, Chinook smolts, and, and I asked him, I'm like, well, why didn't you do that last year? Like, you, you found this area and this money and this ability to put mm-hmm. in 26 more million Chinook smolts? I mean, let's be honest, some of these ESA regulations and HSRG, which was canceled, by the way, thank heavens, but, like, HSRG has been around since 2005, 2008. Don't hold me to that. But it's like you've been playing with the same set of restrictions for the last 15 years, and you just now put in 26 Now we have 26 miles. Hope those orcas starve. That's all I got to (laughs) say. What are you doing? uh, You starting the Columbia right now. What are you doing this week? Strategy, guys. It's the last week of the Columbia. Where are you going to be? What are you going to do? Where am I going to be? Mm-hmm. In the Columbia. In the Columbia. <laughs> what are you going to be doing? I'm going to be trolling, for sure. You got yourself some green label? I do. I have some green label left oh. over. I got a lot of green label left over. Well, yeah, right. We all bought <laughs> cases last year, and they shut it down. Yep. I do actually have a lot of green label left over. I had some guy try to buy some from me. What's your address? Yeah, I was going to say, how much a flat? How much a flat? <laughs> you got that duct tape, Cameron? 25 yeah. bucks a flat. You're going to follow him home, Ryan? Follow him home. Figure out where he lives. 25 bucks a flat. Well, and then you look at, like, you know, our buoy 10 fishery. That was, you were fishing spinners most of the time. Mm-hmm. So. Thanks to this guy right here. Yeah. I didn't buy any bait at all at buoy 10 last year. Finally got sick and tired of watching It took Ryan. me one trip, <laughs> and Marlon was like, dude, you need to switch. And I'm like, God, oh, okay, fine. I switched. Started banging fish. It's like, cool. I don't have to bring any bait. I remember the year I switched down there. It had to be six, seven years ago. And people are like, you're going to look bad. You're going to get your butt kicked. And I He was probably one of those guys. To to be fair. (laughs) No, Cameron only held out for about two years after I was like, dude, you need to switch. You need to switch. It took him two years. So he was pretty quick. This is for another podcast, but let's be fair. They all have their time and place. And yeah, there's some do, days sure. I was getting in before you, and some days you were getting in before me. It it kind of the way it goes. But my my bait bill was a lot cheaper. Yeah. <laughs> and I guess and if, you, if you're good with those little feeders, you know. I was going to say, and less <laughs> headache, too. Yeah. No, I definitely. See, but I got green labels, but you've got orange labels, and you're still catching fish. You know what? I'm in. I don't been, know that it really matters. I'll tell you what. Presentation. So difference, yes. So those guys out there that are concerned about the orange labels and Wanting them to eat, I'm going to leave you guys with this. Fish them. Fish them whole. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that tonight on the live feed. Uh, the fish are liking them a lot. Yeah. That's I what mean, my dad got his fish on today. Well, not an orange label, but a yellow label. It's even smaller than an orange yeah. label. Is it? Yeah. It goes yellow, orange, red, green, like blue. This. 
Yeah. yeah. Yellow's supposed to be smaller than orange. He ran greens all morning. And then he put a yellow on and, and put got a yellow one? on and banged a fish the next pass. Mm, well, we're going to leave you that with that, guys. You know, <laughs> I think with our clear water conditions, the it's size of the bait is not idea. important. It's a matter of getting that presentation right. proper and uh-huh. getting it in their face, Something letting them see it. Them. Yeah, I mean, it could have been a fluke. Could have made that same pass with a green label, you know. Yeah. I don't know. I like to think of it the other way. I like the, the whole, you know, running them whole like that. Well, with that, guys, I hope you guys have some good luck. Enjoy the last week of the Columbia if you're hearing this and you're going to get out there and get some fish. Um, you know, I know it's sunny, but we always have to thank Nick Wax, our sponsor for this podcast, for making some great product to keep your Gore-Tex nice and dry. And hopefully we won't have to use it at all the rest of the year. Nope. But this weekend you won't. Welcome to Washington. We know we're going to. All right. See you guys. See you guys. Later. Later.